I want to take a moment and just give you a definition of restoration real quick. Restoration. Does anybody know what the definition of restoration is? There you go. It's right up there. The act of replacing in a former state. Renewal. Everybody say renewal. It's about renewal. It's also about revival. It's about reestablishment. And it's about recovery. Come on. Jesus came to recover that which was lost. Not just those that are lost, but that within the kingdom. Your soulless nature to be restored and revived and recovered in the things of God. Come on, somebody. Because that's how we operate. We operate out of our souls. So he came to recover that which was lost. The other definition that I love, especially this one, it's about, it's the, it's the what? It's the process of changing something that's bad into something good. Has anybody ever had anything bad that now God has changed it into something that oh, yeah. is good? Oh, yeah. Amen. That's me, first of all. My sinful, soulish nature, that, that my, my sin nature, are you with me? He can change that and that in other people also. So no matter how bad somebody is, I got news for you. God can restore their relationship with him, and they can change that which was bad into something good. So turn to your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. There is hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for all of us. There's hope for the world. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. He came to restore our soul. He came to restore our mind, our will, and emotion. He actually came. How many of you realize that you're made up of three parts? We're going to get into that in just a moment. You're made, you're made up of three parts. I want you to I want you to turn with me here. Let's just let me just put up a few scriptures here. So if if you're taking notes, just stay with me. David wrote the Psalms in Psalms 23. A lot of times we hear it at funerals most of the time, but but how many of you know there's times where you need to hear it other than just a funeral? Come on, somebody, because it it really bring, brings life. And one of the things that David said. He said, he restores my soul. He says, 23.3 says, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He recovers my soul. Are you with me? He has renewal for my soul. He has revival for my soul. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? See, God has a way, even if your mind can't wrap around that he is and will be and has your goodness and graciousness and your mercy and his, his, his grace for your life. Sometimes we can't bend our mind around it, but God is for you, not against you. Tell the person next to you, say, he's for you. He is for you. Tell them, say, sister, brother, he is for you. He is, he is not against you. And there's a lot of times where people have this idea and thought that they're, they're fighting. Sometimes we can fight against, we can kick against the goats, we can kick against the principles of God. But God has set some things in place, and he is for, for you. So real quick, let's look at the scripture that we found, they founded basically everything on. was 3 John 2. He says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper and be in what? Be in what? Be in what? Be in good health. Be in good health. Even as your 
soul prospers. So he wants us to have a prosperous soul. Your mind, your will, and emotions. God wants you to prosper in your mind, in your thoughts. He wants you to be able to think on good thoughts. Come on, somebody. How many of you know you can? it's easy to think on bad thoughts? Yeah, the enemy kind of injects those thoughts. He, he just lets you begin to start now thinking about them and think everything's just going to be really bad. And God wants you to bring in the, the, his, his thoughts. And his thoughts are lining up with the Word of God. When they line up with the Word of God, then your thoughts become his thoughts. Can I get an amen? So he wants you, he wants you to deal with your thoughts, your mind, your will. What about your will? I mean, we want our will. I want to do what I want to do. Recently, I was in the, in the grocery store, and a mother came in, and she had a small child in the shopping cart. Set them in that little seat area in the front of the shopping cart, you know. And some of you mothers, and you've got mothers probably, all, every mother's probably been through this. And they have the small child, and they're, they're going along, and the child wants this, and the child wants that, and the child wants this. And the mother began to give the child something. And they, they kind of held on to it, and they looked at it, and they played with it. And I noticed a little bit later that that child had something else. Come on, somebody. And then the child threw something down and then started to throw a fit. And then it was like when you get into those grocery store aisles, when you get into the checkout stands, they got all that stuff that's right there just so that your, your child can reach it or see it or want it or come on somebody. And what that is is that's their soulish nature that's wanting what it wants. And you know what? That child threw a fit. I mean, that I felt... I felt I understood the parent. I felt, you know, bad for the mom. But I, I thought, man, that, that, that child needs to have a little time out. Come on, somebody, if you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, and it's like that child was throwing a fit, screaming and hollering and crying. And, and then all of a sudden she took it out of the car and that child started wailing and, and wouldn't move. Was right there on the on the aisle. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, now maybe you had children that way or maybe you were that way when you were a child. I don't know. But they just began to throw a fit. And that's that soulish nature that's there. So you know what? It doesn't look good on a child, does it? And it sure doesn't look good on an adult either. That's right. Oops. And sometimes we get that way. We, we start realizing that I just want my way. And then we get upset about it when we don't get our way or, or, or we don't get it the way we want to get it. And, and then we get upset and then all of a sudden we start throwing a fit and it doesn't look good on the child and it definitely doesn't look good for you either. So we talked about some different things that, because God wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. God is in prospering souls. He's in, in prospering your mind. He is in prospering your will. He's in, in prospering your emotions. Look, I'm all for emotions. I get excited, man. There's some things I get excited about. And it's like, oh, I just, it's almost like a kid at Christmas. Why can't I be excited every day? Why can't I, you know, be like, today's the day. It's just going to be an awesome day at church today. We're going to get together and, and we're going to gather together and God's going to set free and heal and deliver and God's going to heal some people. Come on, somebody. And I mean, I get excited about that and the worship starts and, and inside me there's, you know, my emotions begin to start all moving forward. How many of you know that's okay? Yep. It's okay. God works through emotions. And there's times where I weep. And God works through me weeping. There's times where it's just like, you know what? I think I just need a good cry. 
Jesus himself wept. He looked at Jerusalem. And he thought, oh, you don't understand the time of your visitation. And he began to weep. Is it time for you to have a visitation from the Lord? Is it time for us to get to that place where it's okay for us to, to, to have emotions? Now, I don't understand this. It's all right for you to have emotions, but your emotions aren't to have you. Sometimes we get so emotional, and I've known some people that are just, it's, it's out of balance. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. So there's three things that we want to talk about. Everybody say three things. Three things. And what happens when your soul begins to be restored? We talked about number one last week. Number one was advance in the knowledge of truth. Say that with me. Advance in the knowledge of truth, right? We advance in the knowledge of truth. We've got to advance in the knowledge of truth. We understood the word of God, said John 1.17, that what grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me give you a couple scriptures real quick. 3 John 3, verse 4. It says, For I was glad when the brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you are walking in truth. Are you walking in truth today? Are you walking in a truth or are you walking in the truth? He says, how, how you're walking in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. As parents, don't you love to see your children walk in truth? Come on, Amen. somebody. Amen. You know, yes. and, and you, what greater joy is, as they were talking about the church and, and saying, you guys are walking in truth. You're walking in truth. You're walking in the truth. You're walking in the truth. And as you walk in the truth, come on, the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. So one of the things that we realize and have to understand is that not only that he was, John was very, very grateful to see them walk in truth. And your walk, if he's came to restore your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's your walk. That's, that's, a, that's our walk. Am I, am I walking in truth? And there's times where I'm not here to condemn you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I'm here to encourage. I'm here to allow the Holy Spirit to, to nudge you, to say, hey, let's walk in truth. Let's, let's walk in, in, in the truth of God's word. Can I get an amen? Amen. So John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Do you remember what we talked about when we said, what stands in between the way and the, and the life when we talked about the truth? Jesus said, I am the way. Everybody say, the way. the way. He's the way. There is no other way through him. There's no other way that leads to the Father but through him. Are you with me? There's no good works. There's no religion that will get you to the Father. Come on, somebody. There's no amount of money that you can pay. There is no religious ceremonies that you can do. You can't continue to, to live by the law and get to God. Come on, somebody. It's about a relationship through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way. Everybody say the way. He also said that I'm the truth. He is the truth. And the truth sets me free. So it's not a truth. It's the truth. It's it's actually within his DNA is the truth. Can I get an amen? amen. There, his personship is the truth. He is the truth. And, and we talked about the truth that teaches the knowledge of God. 
the truth that teaches the knowledge of God, and that's the saving truth, the truth that teaches us that we can obtain salvation no other way but then through Jesus. And then the last one, everybody said, the life. Say the life. The life, the life, the life that saves, the life that saves. So number two, let me give you number two. Not only was an advance in the knowledge of the truth, but you've got to begin to exercise your life in a balanced way. Anybody ever seen a tire? We talked about this. Tires are designed and they are made to operate in balance. There is the same amount of rubber on one side of the tire than the other. And they're supposed to be. It's very scientific. It's very technologically advanced. When you put a tire on a rim, depending on what's taking place with that tire, how it's been made, how it's been manifest or manufactured, that, that tire fits on that rim. There's a certain size tire for a certain size rim. It's made that way. And what do they do? When you Anybody ever have new tires put on their vehicle? Anybody? We've got five of you. Everybody knelt and he's driving around in bold tires. We've got we to gotta, we gotta get you dreaming big. Amen? They put that tire on that rim. Have you ever noticed what they do with that? They take that tire and that rim and they put it on what's called a balancer. And they'll, put it, they'll attach it to this machine and it spins it and it spins up to, I don't know, 100 miles an hour maybe. And then they determine where that tire is out of balance and they'll put counterweights on that rim in order for that tire to be able to be in balance. So we need to live our lives in a balance. Did you know that? We've got to live our lives. What happens if you have a tire that's, that's out of balance? Casey, what happens to a tire when it's out of balance? What happens to it? It wears. It wears funny. It cannot last. The tire is supposed to last, oh, 40,000 miles, and you might get to 20,000 miles and realize that all of a sudden the, the wire tread or the wire is, you know, excuse me, showing, and it may be because it was out of balance. And a lot of times, how about the ride, Casey? Does it, does it ride no. smoother when it's out of balance or does it ride rougher? No. It rides a lot rougher when it's, when it's out of balance. So we need to be able to, to have our life, be able to exercise that in balance. So one of the things that I think we also need to know is that I said earlier that you're made up of three parts. Everybody say three parts. Three parts. Shorty, could I have you come on up? Alan, could, could I have you come on up? And Terry, I'm going to have you come on up because you love sitting in the front so I can utilize you. You guys line up right here. We're going to put Shorty on that end, Terry right here in the middle, and Alan on this end, okay? This is just an example of the three parts that you're made up of. You're actually made up of spirit. Right now you're going to be the spirit of God, the spirit of us. And then when Christ moves on the inside, our spirit is activated, right? It's, it's made alive in Christ. So Alan's the spirit. Terry is, is the, the soul, okay? And then Shorty, I'm using this, guys. You notice how one's bigger, one's not, and one's smaller. I'm using this illustration for that reason. Shorty's the body. Anybody's body usually bigger than their soul or their spirit? <laughs> Sometimes we do. We, we buff in our body, right? We, uh, we, it's, it's actually bigger. The question that I've got to tell you is that if your spirit, soul, and body, if they are like they are right now and you're looking at them, who do you think would be more stronger to rule over the other two? Would it, would it be Alan? Can you think Alan? Do you think Alan can take Terry? Do you think Alan can take Shorty? Huh? You think you think maybe Shorty? That's that's a good one, right? So so what about if we switch Terry? I'm going to switch you and 
and, and Shorty, and now all of a sudden you're the body, and now all of a sudden he's his soul. Are you with me? And what about Alan? He's still, he's still the spirit, right? So when you look at this, what happens is what we do is we are led by what has more power. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? So if I feed the soul, the soul grows. Are you with me? So the body has to be subject to the soul and to the spirit. The body doesn't really rule over the soul or the spirit. Are you with me? Because when the body, if the body has some issues, it's because it's in the, in the soul. Are you with me? So right now, if this is me as a person, who's bigger? My spirit or my soul? My soul's bigger, isn't it? So what's the body going to do? Who's the body going to listen to? That's right. The soul's got the power. Everybody say power. power. The soul's got the power. But what happens is... I decide I don't want to go to church. Is my spirit getting any bigger? No. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, well, people can pray, and people, you know, there are some people that, that love God, that don't go to church, and that do study, and but there's, but who's going to tell them, who's going to tell them what the Holy Spirit's saying and the prophetic words in the morning? Come on, somebody. Yeah. And then, so the spirit doesn't get any bigger, but if I don't even go to church, am I, am I feeding my soul? And my feet, if, if I, throughout the world, in the world situation, I'm, I'm involved in all of the worldly things, is my spirit growing or is my soul growing? Soul. So now who's going to tell the body what to do? Soul. So, this is not you, this is me. So if I want a Swiss cake roll, and we get into Walmart, and I'm with Shelly, and I start to throw a fit because I want a Swiss cake roll. <laughs> Are you with me? And then I throw a fit. Who's winning here? Is my soul winning or my spirit? And what's my soul? What's my soul going to tell the body? Throw a fit. Lay down on there and start wailing in the middle of Walmart. Right? Are you with me? So the soul's going to control the body. Are you with me? So what happens is when I begin, when I am born again, my spirit is activated at the things of God. And what I should do is feed my spirit and not my soul. Although the body has to have food, right? So there's still got to be some physical body. What I'm after is this. When we operate out of our, our soul, we'll have what our soul wants. But my soul shouldn't be in control. That's right. And what happens is most of us, even... Even Christians, we're called carnal Christians because actually our soul is in control. It kind of rhymes a little bit, doesn't it? Soul in control. Our soul is in control. It controls the body. Are you with me? But what happens, I want to switch this, and I'm going to bring you all the way down here, and I'm going to move Terry right here. How many of you know this is a balanced life? Come on, man. Why is it balanced? Because the spirit is bigger. But the spirit is bigger. How can that be in balance? The spirit's supposed to be bigger. That's right. Yeah. It's out of balance when your spirit's not. I know some people. I'm just going to pull you over here. I know some people who don't do anything spiritually, but they do it all soul or body. Are you with me? Yeah. They will exercise. And they will work out. 
and they will run three miles every morning. And that's all well and good, but they don't do anything about reading the Word of God. They don't do anything about prayer. They don't do anything about anything spiritual, so they're operating the body from the soulless realm. Come on, somebody. Come on. And they're more concerned about that. But when I shift in balance the way it's supposed to be, then what's going to happen is I get my spirit involved. And now my spirit can take the truth of the word of God and tell the soul what to do and the soul tell the body what to do. Come on, somebody. Come on. Are you with me? Y'all getting this? That's this good. is really simple. So as the Spirit of God begins to, 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 to grow and to be activated, right? And somebody comes against you and they hurt you. The soul can turn around and tell the body, tell the body, punch your lights out. <laughs> See what I mean? And, and look, that's really what sometimes happens. You just don't realize it. But now the body's turned, I mean, the soul turns around to the body and says, punch your lights out. Tell them. Now the spirit turns around to the soul and says, oh no, we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, are y'all getting this? Come on, man. That's good. Okay? So now I'm not led from my soul. I'm led from my spirit. Because the spirit now is talking to the soul and said, don't you remember the word of God? That it says when they hit you on one side of the cheek, you turn and go with the, let them have the other. When they drag you one mile, you go with them two miles. Oh, come on, somebody. See, the grace of God is higher than operating in the soul of God or the, the, the law of God. Are you with me? God's grace, his unmerited, undeserved favor now brings it to a whole other level. So guess who's ruling? So now the soul is going to turn around and say, um, chill out, body. Chill out. Or one of my sons used to call it chillax. Chill and relax together, chillax. So you, you're chillaxing. This guy's chillaxing. See, who's, who's, in, who's in control? When we, when Jesus came to restore that, he came to restore authority of the spirit over the soul and the soul over the body. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, that seemed, it seems pretty simple. But that's a picture of how that operates. So our goal is when we're in worship, when we're in prayer, when we're doing these things, that we operate through the Spirit. And then we know that Aunt Martha, you know Aunt Martha, the one that comes up to you at the family reunions and says, oh, you're so sweet, and says, oh, yeah, you, we love you so much, Aunt Martha. And she's also the one that doesn't forgive you. 20 years ago, you made this mistake, and Aunt Martha brings it up. Every family reunion. Hope you've gotten better at that. You know, yeah, yeah. that Aunt Martha. We operate through the Spirit. And the Spirit relieves, receives, and gives forgiveness. So we need to forgive Aunt Martha. Turn to your neighbor and say, forgive Aunt Martha. Yeah. For, forgive her. Okay? How do I forgive her? Your soul is like, I don't want to forgive her. I'm not going to forgive her. She... 20 years ago, she did that, and she deserved it, and she earned it, and I had the right to do it, and everything else. And the Spirit's going to turn to the soul and go, forgive her. Tell me. But I don't want to forgive her. You're going to say, and then guess what? The soul's going to tell the body to do. This is powerful. Because we can't institute 
the transformation process without the spirit ruling over the soul and having control over the body. Come on, man. That's really good. So now the spirit says forgive her. And the soul says, body, go, go get her a gift. And then the body goes to Walmart and gets a gift or wherever. Amen? And then she comes back and then release forgiveness. And the soul says, I don't really want to. But the spirit says, uh-uh-uh. We're restored. We're revived. We're renewed. The best thing to do is release forgiveness. So the soul tells the body, release forgiveness, and the body goes up to the person, gives the gift. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. And Aunt Martha is forgiven. Let's give the Lord some praise. Let's give some praise for these guys right here. Turn to your neighbor and say, your soul needs to rule. Your soul needs to rule. We're made up of those three parts. We need Your soul needs to rule. Excuse me. Your spirit needs to rule. There we go. Let's say that again. Your spirit needs to rule. So your spirit needs to rule over your soul and your soul rule over your body. Are you with me? So I love that word picture. Every time I get shorty up there, I'm like, oh, my God. You are the spirit, dude. You are one. You are, you're the big guy. And that's, it doesn't matter how small you are, how short you are, how little you are here like me. Are you with me? The spirit inside you can be larger than your physical body. Come on. And it has to be larger than your soul because that's what rules. So we're made up of three parts. Everybody say three parts. Three parts. So there must be a holy balance. Let's look at the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, that your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. To sanctify literally means to set apart. Set apart. Your spirit sets your soul apart. Your soul sets the body apart. Are you with me? For the things of God. All right? So it says to set apart. So we can exercise. You can eat right. And you, you should. Because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? There's also part of you that longs for prayer. Oh, come on. Every human being is designed that way. There's part of you that longs for prayer. There's part of you that longs for worship. There's part of you that wants to be connected to the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. There's a part that's in you. And you can take care of the soul part. And you can exercise. And you can do eat right. And you can do all those things. But if you're missing out on the spiritual part, you're out of balance. Come on, somebody. And I'm here to tell you, there is a large sector of society in the world today that is taking care of the soul but not taking care of the spirit. They're taking care of the soul and the soul's trying to overrun the body. And they're doing all those things. But it's got to be about the spirit. What you think about, don't you think the spirit has something to, to, to say there? Absolutely. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. So let's take a look at Colossians 3.2. It says, set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. I don't know about you, but that's hard. Yeah. Isn't it hard when all of the natural stuff is going on in your life? And you're thinking, all you can think about is bad, 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 bad. Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, worst case scenario. But you play that video over and over and over and over in your mind instead of saying, wait a minute, I need to fight that thing with the truth and say, worst case scenario, let me set my mind on things above. This morning I woke up 
about 4 o'clock, and I, all I could do was say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I, I didn't want to get up. <laughs> so I just laid there saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. What do you think I was trying to do? I was trying to set my mind on the things that are above, not set my mind on the things that are, that are not. Because those things that are not can change my emotions not to be good. Oh, come on, somebody. But if I set my mind on things that are above, then I'll operate with those emotions. Those emotions. Angela, would you come and play for me? That the, I, I would operate on those emotions that are from God. I want to be able to be thankful. I want to be grateful. Come on, somebody. In the middle, what's going on? See, that's why when you come in here to worship, you think it's about you, and it's really about Him. And when we get things shifted, when we come in to worship, our worship is really about Him. And you start lifting Him up, then your stuff starts feeling better. Oh, come on, somebody. That's right. It start, you, you start feeling better about yourself. You start gaining hope. You start gaining uh, faith. You start beginning to operate in those things that all things are possible. So we need to be able to, number two, we need to be able to live a balanced life. And let me give you the third one real quick. Honor God in all that we do. Honor God in all that we do. And that's what we, as guys on Wednesday night, have been really talking about in, in Colossians was, was to... To be able to honor God. When we work, we honor God. Let me give you some scriptures real quick and we're about to close. First Samuel 2.30 says, Those who honor me, I will honor. First Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit on this earth. And the Holy Spirit has to be in your body. Are you with me? You, you, you're, you're the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says to be able to honor God through this. We need to be able to honor God. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits of all of your produce. Honor the Lord with the money that you make. Colossians 3, 17. This is what we've been really looking at with the men. Is whatever we do in word and deed, we do it into the name Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him. To God the Father. Because our identity is should be in a child as being a child of God. Not by what you do. What you do, well, I'm a I'm a plumber, I'm a fireman, I'm I'm a contractor, I'm you know, all the things I work in the oil field, or I run this company, or I, I mow this lawn, or whatever that, that you do, we do that unto Lord Jesus Christ. Right. See, because all sorts of work can sometimes get monotonous. But if our attitude is set that I'm working for God and not man, I am working for man also, but I'm working ultimately for God. When I'm working for God, then guess what happens? My attitude begins to change. And when my attitude changes and lines up with the word of God, then my spirit begins to rule over my soul and my soul begins to rule over the My spirit rules over my soul and my soul rules over the body. Here's what I want you to know that Jesus came to restore your soul. I can't wave a magic wand and your soul line up with the word of God. A lot's up to you. 
We know sometimes. There's sometimes where I know it's just flat my soul. I want my way. I want one of those Swiss cake rolls, and I'm going to get one. Anybody ever done that? I, anybody yeah. ever watched an ad on TV at 10 o'clock at night and then oh, yeah. said, I'm, I'm going to go get that burger at Carl's? Now? Yeah. I'm getting it right now. Carl's Jr., you drive Carl's Jr. or somewhere else, you know. Well, maybe not in Woodward because they may not be open after 10, but um, are you with me? Yeah. And that, that's our soul. And I, I make light of those things. But I have that same battle that you have. And we have that same battle even here today. Jesus came to restore our soul. And here's what we've got to do. We've got to get the truth on it. I don't really need that Carl's Jr. burger at 10 o'clock at night. No offense, Carl's Jr. Now, you might be working and get off work, and it might work into your schedule to do that. But not only do we need to get the truth, but we need to apply it. Everybody say apply it. Stand to your feet. I want us to be able to not only hear the truth, but be able to find the truth in the kingdom of God. I'm very excited about what God has already done some things today. Amen? Has anybody received just the blessing of the Lord today through the worship, through the word today? And that I want your spirit to just begin to start even, you know, just rule over your soul. I want you just to, to grow, begin to grow. What's happening is you've started a process. Everyone here is growing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you now. You are growing, girl. You are growing. You know what I mean? Guy, you are growing, dude. You are growing. We're growing. We're growing. We want our kids to grow, don't we? We want them to grow in the spirit. We want them to grow in truth. We want them to grow in knowledge. We want them to live a balanced life. But it's got to all be holy. And then whatever we do with word and deed, we do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Mike, I'm not going to show the video today. I'm going to save that for next week. God's already lining some things up for next week. So I want you to begin to prepare your heart. Next week, we're going to deal with what's called soul ties. We're going to explain to you why sometimes you can't seem to get over what you're having to deal with. Why there can be a tragedy or a a bad thing trauma in your life and how to get over it. But there's also something called good soul ties. Our soul is tied to the Lord and that's a good thing. And we're, next week we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have you prepare. We're gonna I want you to prepare this week if you will. Just begin to start realizing and identifying some of those soul things in you. That you just want your way in this situation or this area where there's some hurt and pain that's caused you many, it can be many years ago, it can be generational things coming down from ancestry, but we're going to deal with some of those things. You believe God can deal with those? Because if we're going to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that's part of our soul. If Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then how do I get my mind renewed without renewing my soul? Because that's part of my soul. Well, there's some barriers there that we're going to knock down and we're going to take back for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to begin to prepare that. Let's pray today.
Father, I'm asking you to help prepare our souls this morning. This week is going to be a key week for many of us. God, I thank you that we're going to we're going to realize sometimes that we just feed our soul. But I'm asking you to stir up right now within them the hunger for your word, the living word. Stir up the hunger for your word, God, that it will help bring truth. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help gain understanding. Help us gain understanding within our soul. God, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a battle this week for many of us as we prepare for what's coming. God, I just pray that the peace of God, the wholeness of God, the Hebrew word is shalom. I pray that the shalom of God will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God. I speak peace to their soul, peace to overcome, that they'll have ears to hear what your word says and what your spirit is telling, the Holy Spirit is telling them in that soul. And they'll identify that. And they won't operate in condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But they'll have conviction of the spirit and they'll say, okay, I need to work on that. And they'll submit that area to you. I challenge you this week to submit some of those things that you know is to the Lord this week those things that may manifest in the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions. God, I thank you that the good work that you've started in each and every one of us, Jesus, you're going to finish. You're going to continue to complete it. We believe that and we receive that now in Jesus' name. And everybody said...